Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 323 of the podcast, part two of my interview and conversation with Teresa Edmonds. By the way, I totally blanked and said Teresa um, in my last intro. So this is one of those times when I'm glad there's a part two, because now I can correct myself. It's Teresa Edmonds. Apologies, Teresa. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I, of course, am looking at uh, the wonderful Pod X looming ahead here in the next couple of weeks in Nashville. You can visit podx.com slash JV club for discounted tickets and you can check out their main website uh, that's got the wonderful schedule and all the good bits and pieces of things you can expect to see if you go. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to encourage uh, people to share and enjoy Fortune Rookie as I continue to push it out into the Emmys universe <laughs> and uh, I think that's it for now. Uh, enjoy the episode and I will speak to you soon. For those of us who are uh, not participating in this conversation, so I should say us because I am 100% definitively <laughs> participating in this conversation, uh, you and I are picking this up um, a week or two after we had to end our last conversation as it was mm-hmm. turning into a 12-hour conversation about Mormonism, which... Um, really probably will continue on and on and on um but i but i'm i'm going to refocus us just because i want to make sure um i get a a better picture before we do the mash game a better picture of of kind of you and not to intrude too much on a part of your life that obviously was incredibly complicated and girl um, i'm an open book necessarily great intrude (laughs) away (laughs) Uh, but I, but I, yeah, I was, I'm, I want to get a, a better, maybe a more complete picture of what your day to day was like in, in those years. Certainly, you know, in a time when you were going to this, and I'm using air quotes, but that's not fair, right. but this high school. Um, no, that's fair. That's okay. fair. <laughs> okay. And sort of couch surfing slash at some point you, you, you sort of just were living in your car is that is that what an accurate yep way of saying it so what um I mean this is again this is like getting really uh into the minutiae but I think for for people who didn't have that experience at such a young age I I want to make sure to ask questions that I think probably were roused with curiosity about you know what does that look like for for you what where do you shower you know what is a day Mm -hmm. like it's a Wednesday it's time for Tracy to go to school school what does that look like if you don't mind yeah no no uh you can ask any question i am i'm wide open (laughs) right um yeah like well during the years where i was homeless you know it would really depend on whatever happened tuesday night uh so on wednesday morning i would wake up wherever i went to bed on tuesday night rarely the same place twice um and uh you know try to um usually get out of there quickly because if it's you know not a place where you're supposed to be laying your head uh, (laughs) you need to get on the road um and so I would I'd like keep orange juice in my glove box because it wouldn't go bad as fast as milk Mm. (laughs) unrefrigerated so I'd have an orange juice and a bagel or something you know something I took from work the night before like leftover you know cheesy bread from Red Robin or something and uh, and then I'd get to class and I'd spend all my time uh, b- during the day. I'd spend all of my time on campus and it was just a community college campus. <laughs> so and that but that's to get that's high school or that's the well, that's those years. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Oh, OK. So when I during the, the pre getting attended. Your, yeah. 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 The one year that I attended the, you know, the not a high school. Right. Um, that I was I was still living at home then. So I uh, my sister and I would get in the car and we'd drive there and it was only three hours a day. For, no, four hours a day for three days a week. So we just do that and then we'd come home and then it was as long as I was living at home, it was just really miserable. You know, we just kind of we had a split level house and my parents kind of had the upstairs and we hung out in the downstairs and just tried to lay low and avoid avoid any trouble. And uh, so I I spent those years, I just spent in my basement, 
like mainlining Comedy Central, mainlining Comedy Planet <laughs> before it was Comedy Central, mainlining Ha, but back before. Oh my it was gosh, Comedy I'm trying Central. to remember if I even remember a thing before Comedy Central, and I don't. Yeah. No, if I, Comedy Planet sounds familiar. Ha sounds. Ha. Uh, yeah. Hilar- that's. They perfect. showed like I Love Lucy reruns, and then Comedy Planet and Ha came together to birth Comedy Central. Understood. And then I watched all the you know Kids in the Hall, uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand, um, that exit. What's that one that Amy Sedaris exit fifty seven? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, just pre Strangers with Cra- oh, Strangers with Candy. I think exactly. I just said just- Strangers with Candy, which was a totally <laughs> other show that uh, most people didn't watch. <laughs> Yeah. And then once I left home, then I kind of I didn't have access to TV. Uh, So I didn't get to watch those things for a long time still. But those those were super formative experiences and and made me a comedy nerd from the jump. Yeah. Um, But also because I was raised very blue collar and Mormon, it was just a world that I admired from afar. Never once did it cross my mind that it was something I could ever pursue for myself. Yeah. (laughs) Never. Yeah. Did it so, feel subversive? Did those things oh, feel? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it was so naughty. My mom, who was like the worst Mormon, but just a controlling narcissist, really. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd come down. And I remember one time specifically, it was a kids in the hall sketch where it was just the point of the sketch was that it was absurdist and out of context. Yeah. And one of the characters is wearing a, a big ballet tutu and slapping one of the other characters across the face. Mm-hmm. And she sees this and she's she turns off the television like so offended when the whole point of the sketch is to be like as bizarre as possible and she's like Teresa I'm very concerned with the type of media you're choosing I just don't think that it's what our Heavenly Father would approve of now meanwhile she is renting every rated R movie that has ever been made and then (laughs) making an illegal download of it on her TV VCR Uh... and when I start like towards the end but just before I left home um, she just started giving me pills like, she's a Whoa. total pill head. Like, I'd be depressed. And she's like, here, take this. And, uh, yeah. So, like, for her to be coming and putting on, like, the cloak of righteousness to correct me about, I was, it was all I could do not to laugh in her face. Yeah. But I have respect for my own safety, so I did not laugh in her <laughs> Smart. face. <laughs> Smart. And it I was just the waited res- until she was yeah. asleep and then watched Kids in the Hall again. <laughs> and that's, it was the respect for your own safety that caused you to go, I'm out of here as well. Like, yeah. Just, I can't yeah. do this. So I, I saw yeah. a chance, so yeah. I bolted. So the, okay, so yeah, so the, so the, the, the high school, non-high school was one yeah. year. And then after that, you did. So that was like you, 16. 16. And then so 17 and 18, I spent home. Those are my homeless times when I was gotcha. going to the community college. Right, 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 right. And so, yeah, like 17 and 18, that's when I would be spending my whole day, like sleeping in the library on a couch. And, you know, wherever you see homeless people, that's where I would be, yeah. like sitting on a chair at Borders, uh, yeah, eating in a Denny's or something like that. But the the nice thing about uh, hygiene is that if you're Mormon, uh, you can use the bathroom as a church. So nice. I would I wash up, you know, just do what my mom used to call a whore's bath because you only wash, <laughs> you know, the parts that people yep. pay for. Yeah. Um, so I do one of those. <laughs> I do one of those in like truck stop bathrooms or something, and um, and I loved it at the time because I'd just be like there in my sports bra, but you know the moms would look like terrified, and I'd be like, "Damn straight, I'm like Madonna and suddenly seeking Susan. You can't handle me." You know, I yeah. just loved that aspect. I really romanticized those years as I was experiencing them, probably as a coping mechanism. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Unless you're able to discuss the semiotics of direwolves and Game of Thrones, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer. 
much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include Luke Cage showrunner Cheo Hadari Coker, the music supervisor of The Florida Project, and Mudbound director Dee Rees. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do care a lot about direwolves. Which, of course, symbolize our inability to truly connect with the natural world without ultimately destroying it and in the process destroying ourselves. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. Speaking of safety, obviously you you exchanged one you know os- potentially ostensibly whatever right. you exchanged one form of being you know threatened emotionally being mm-hmm. threatened um, you know physically, spiritually yeah. physically mm-hmm. uh, to you know I'll take my chances with yeah with the devil I don't know um, exactly. so to speak exactly uh, did you feel did you have a sense of that because when I was a teenager you know we talked about this but I, I just I didn't. Like, I understood that sort of in theory, but I also very, very much had the the sensibility of many, many young people, uh, which was, you know, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to be right. a person that, that, that this happens to. Uh, it just was more, you know, I was like, I didn't realize how abstract I was thinking of it until I got older. And then I really was like, oh, wait, this really could be me. Why am I? Right. Why am I acting like it's beyond the scope of, you know, why couldn't I be the person that makes a stupid decision and ends up dead? Um, yeah. Did you feel like or and also, frankly, did you feel protected? Did you feel like you'd made the right decision? And did your connection with your religion and your spirituality kind of help take you through those times? I think like most things in life, the answer is both. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like I I think part of this is what I often jokingly refer to as abused child privilege. When you've already been through all the things that you're terrified might happen to you, then the devil you don't know suddenly looks a whole lot more appealing. Yeah. So I think we talked about that on our our last call. Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I had that what like, well. You know, bad things are happening to me here. I might as well just see if some good things happen elsewhere. And and that's not the, to say that I didn't live with fear because I lived with horrifying, chronic, daily fear of sexual assault specifically. Mm. Um, I It affected a lot of how I in, interacted with people, the choices that I made. I was hyper vigilant against sexual mm. assault. Like there would be uh, times I'd go home with like a friend from work. And uh, there, it wasn't just me. There'd be a bunch of people around. And uh, on this one particular case, a guy from work offered me his bed. And that was all it took for me to go, you know, five alarm fire, no way. And judging this guy, I mean, I don't know. It probably wasn't as big a threat as I feel. But also in hindsight, 2019, we know if a guy offers you his bed and you don't want to have sex with him. The answer should probably always be no. But uh, back then, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I just went, thanks, no thanks. And I decided to be like Maxi you know, manic pixie dream girl and be like, no, I want to sleep out under the stars. And I, I made it like this like whimsical part of my personality when really it was like, no, my body is telling me that if I get in that bed, I'm not going to be in control of what happens. So I'm not going to do that. Right. But I'm going to find a way to get out of this situation artfully so that nobody has to know about the terror that's screaming in my head you know (laughs) yeah I totally get that within all of that did was there even room for you being sort of genuinely interested in someone and want yeah not at all not at all I've got a million stories of guys hitting on me and me not getting at all that that's what was happening Mm. um because like (laughs) there's one guy that I had a total crush on I thought he was so hot and he comes up to me on campus and references like this uh project we were doing and I just told him like well hey you know you could go go talk to the professor I bet she'll look let you see it when he's like trying to come up with an excuse to spend time with me and I'm just like oh I already turned it in go talk to the professor bye you know like did not get it did not get it at all at all at all uh yeah a million stories like that because I was I had completely shut that part of myself down in fact I even had a rule for myself that I was not going to kiss anybody until I met the man I was going to marry. And when I I set that rule at probably around 14, and it was after one of these, you know, 
uh, for Mormons, we call it EFY, but every religion has some version of this too, where it's like a, a youth gathering and like some kind of cool, hip youth pastor will come in and talk to you, you know? Yeah. And uh, my version of that, I'm listening to this and it's another chastity lecture because that's all they talk to us about in the 80s and 90s is mm. don't have sex, don't show people your body. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm listening to this and I felt like I should really set this this rule for myself like the the rules of the church weren't strict enough for me i needed to set an additional rule of never kissing anybody and my friends at the time were like whatever but mm. i hadn't kissed anybody up to that point mm. and i well i should say i had not consented to kiss anybody yeah. up to that point and it really didn't seem like very out of character for me but now what i realized my friends were reacting to is the hypersexualization that i had evinced mm. unknowingly mm. as a child as a child who had been sexually abused. So yeah. I, they're like, whatever. You're like a fast girl. Meanwhile, I've never kissed a boy. But they, but what they're responding to that makes them think I'm so fast and worldly is childhood sexual abuse. <laughs> but none of us knew that then, you know. Right. Right. But so I didn't. I my first kiss, my first you know real kiss was with my the man I'm still married to, Jared, at 20. So I I just. I told myself that I was doing it for God. Now looking back, I I am glad that I had that rule, but I wish that I had had I wish that it wasn't framed around keeping chaste. I wish it was about like getting to know my own identity, my own sexuality before embarking on a partnership in that space, mm -hmm. you know, like learning what it felt like to me to actually have my own desire, to know what consent felt like, to know what I wanted instead of Everything up until my life, whether it was the over-sexualization of, of abuse or the different kind of over-sexualization that comes with chastity and modesty culture, um, my whole point of existence uh, for what I was raised to believe was for what a man would want to do to me. Yeah. And so... And so just turning that off entirely was the only way that I could find under the framework that I was existing in to kind of keep myself, you know, from all of the bad cliches. There's a, a whole lot of strippers and sex workers in my family, and I celebrate them now. Mm. Now that I know better, I celebrate those women. Um, but back then, I thought it was the worst fate that could befall me. And I'm just like, well, I'm not going to be like, you know. And I couldn't have even articulated it in those terms back then. I just knew I didn't want to be a bad girl. But what my definition of bad girl was is, like, the cliches of, like, the stripper with the daddy issues, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that, oh, that is a bad cliche. <laughs> but, uh, but I just didn't want it to be me. So, yeah, I just, I dated a little. I had boyfriends that I just didn't kiss because Mormon. Yeah. And. Uh, Were they Mormon? And, yeah. Okay. And so as, since I was since my rule was so anchored within Mormonism, then it became like, um, oh, my gosh, my boyfriend's mothers loved me so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I never had to worry about yeah. me coming home pregnant someday or keeping them home from their mission or whatever. Um, yeah, I was just kind of I, I was really kind of pedestalized. Um, I, I wish that as a culture we had understood abuse better so that somebody could have spotted it as, you know, a, a sign. Um, but that's just not where I was. And so, uh, yeah, it was just like Teresa's the spiritual giant just like held up on this pedestal. And uh, and nobody was like intervening or getting help or, you know, right. <laughs> there were a couple of people along the way who did kind of gently pull me aside and say, like, I just want you to know that you are loved. Like, gave me some kind of a message like that. I just want you to know that God loves you. Mm -hmm. Because they, while they might not have been able to know the right thing to do or even completely what was going on, they they recognized suffering and they reached out to my suffering. So to those people, I'm very grateful. Um, and I still wish <laughs> that there had been more, you know, training, more professionalism, something so that so anybody knew what they were looking at with me. But and 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 uh, I don't think that we actually ever explicitly addressed, if you can, who mm -hmm. who and when this happened to you. Um, do you mean the abuse? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I because of my position as a public advocate, yeah. I don't typically. And and oh. this is, please consider this completely uh, publishable. You know, <laughs> yes. uh, I don't tend to get into too much of the specifics because I find that. Um, 
people use it as kind of, they uh, play oppression Olympics because when somebody's been abused, they've been gaslit. Right, like they go right. hand in hand. Right. So the abuse survivor is told explicitly and implicitly that what is happening to you is normal and fine. Right. So if they hear somebody with um, experiences that they judge to be more harmful than them, then they can say, well, my, you know, it's not that bad. So I right. guess I'm fine. Right. And then right. if they if they judge those experiences to be less harmful than the, than what they've gone through, then it's like, well, fuck her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Right. You know, right. right. Uh, but I, I can that. definitely I say that. But this, this is what I do say publicly uh, through both neighbors and uh, family members. I have experienced uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse and spiritual abuse. Yeah. OK. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We covered we covered. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it. we did. We did talk about that. But I wasn't sure if it would if it was a situation where yeah. you felt the opposite and you felt like, you know, it's important to oh, identify totally. the types of people or the person that, you know, you least and expect and all that kind of stuff, too, which is, you know, it's that is very true. true. Yeah. That is very true because, you know, my family members were yeah. my abusers. There were neighbors as well, but family members are the bulk of my abusers. So I completely agree with that. It is not who you think it is. Abu- the way that abuse actually occurs is not at all the way that culturally we understand it to occur. Yeah. Uh, just yesterday, I was having a discussion with somebody and he was trying to ask me like, well, how does sexual trafficking work? I mean, that just seems so bizarre that there's people out there that would do this. And I, I had to just say to him, I, I when when people tell me those their stories, I keep confidence. I, I believe yeah. very, very strongly about that. But I also believe in combating ignorance where I find it. Right. So I just looked at him because I know him well and I know his family. And I just said, there are three members of your family that have been sexually trafficked. And he looked at me like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, yeah. <laughs> like he could not believe it. And I was like, I can't I can't tell you more because I keep confidence. But there are three members of your family that have known sexual trafficking because it's not taken that's not how it works, you know. It's it's bikini barista places, and it's girls who get hit on at baseball games, and it's friends you make online that tell you that they understand you better than their parent than your parents ever will, and it's it's through these um, like it's nobody ever gets uh you know well I shouldn't say ever because obviously there's still criminal enterprise in this world right but very rarely do people just get snatched you know right uh, trafficking most often occurs within families. Within families where a parent will, you know, and they they won't think of it in these terms because in our imagination, sexual trafficking is putting a woman in a shipping container and shipping her around the world. Sure. But but really, there's labor trafficking. There's sexual trafficking. There's a whole host of other things where a person is used as a as a as a I mean. Honestly, like a beast of burden, whether that's they're not getting their pay for cleaning hotel rooms, whether that's their passport is being kept behind, whether that's, you know, they're not allowed to leave. Sometimes their their actual physical freedom is inhibited. Um, and, And often... There are situations where parents will pimp out their children. Right. This is this is what human trafficking looks like within the Mormon community is parents who are who are either survivors themselves and just believe that this is normal and how the world works or parents who are upwardly striving, uh, both like socially and with money, um, they will just send their daughters to the, to be raped, to be abused. Um, it happens all the time. Like, you know, the, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the billionaire from Florida who, uh, all the politicians were at his parties and, um, and he is like a verifiable like you don't you never get proof like there is proof on Jeffrey Epstein for, you know, uh, prolonged abuse and trafficking. And he got a slap on the wrist because he's got powerful friends because that's how these things work. And right. so it anyway, whole other podcast. That. <laughs> well, I'm glad that that comedy was uh, was something that was like working for you and sort of keeping you mm-hmm. going. Um on any kind of level uh did you have i mean i know that you you said that you had shut that part off of yourself on on an intellectual level did you have an idea of what this perfect man that you would kiss you know would be like and obviously real life is is different and but you did end up finding your husband but but Mm -hmm. uh, but many years later um did you have a sort of like image in mind that kind of uh, supplanted like the yeah. reality of the people around you and what your life looked like oh. and, and, and not having room for that there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I've always been a precocious reader since the very since very very little like bizarrely little <laughs> I've been a very precocious reader so being able to have um, and specifically fiction so escaping into these other worlds you know I, I've done so much thinking over the years about just like the survivor's guilt you know yeah. like why why am I living this life and there's so many others out there who aren't um, and there's oh just overlapping overlapping layers of reasons and privilege and opportunity just you know it's a minefield but one that I do feel very strongly about is is reading the fact that I had all of these different lives that could live inside my head that I could experiment with maybe it just doesn't have to be this way maybe I could have a life that's not like the one that I've been given but something that I can create for myself um, that, that all came from books, all of it. One of my most favorites, like many women of my generation, um, was Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. And my middle name is Anne with an E. So I just felt like that book was mine. Understood. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> that book was mine. And so much of the, one of the things that's really brilliant about that book is how much of the darkness is subtext. Mm. And so I, as a child read that and I was, it was just really resonating with with me and I was feeling so much kinship with Anne, but I never could have articulated like, oh yeah, it's because she had gone from orphanage to labor house to orphanage to labor house and she knows the same things that I know. No, 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 no. I never, ever, ever could have done the math on that. Mm. I just liked her. She was scrappy and smart and she still had hope. That was what I liked about Anne. And now as an adult, I can go back. Like actually when I watched the recent Netflix series mm -hmm. I had to take breaks and like just cry it out sometimes mm -hmm. because that the series makes a lot of that subtext more of the plot mm -hmm. and or more of the you know anyway the it's more present and so all of a sudden I could not hide from the things that I was hiding from as a child it was right in my face yeah. which I think is I think is good I think it's good but yeah yeah, I haven't been Real able to tough. watch it. I I I I, yeah. I watched. I started watching it, and um, I was so obsessed with the books, and then so obsessed with the oh, Megan yes. Follows version that um, Gilbert. I couldn't. Oh, Gilbert. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't. <laughs> and then, of course, there's two of the kids in the hall in that um, as well, which is ah! hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so everything comes full circle. But um, truth. Yeah, I just couldn't. It was. And, and, and like the, I it, typically I feel like I, I have room for uh, different iterations of stuff. I mean, I certainly watch all of the variations on like any Jane Austen that's ever made. Yes. You know, I'm happy, <laughs> happy to see I'm 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 as much as I, you know, love the, ver the the version of Pride and Prejudice that that Colin Firth is in. Like many people, uh, I, I'm like so open to other interpretations of that book, all that. So I feel like yep. the, 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 I, I create those opportunities to to be open to them. I couldn't, I just, I was like, this is clearly well done. People have been telling me to watch it because they, I'm so vocal about, you know, that shared love of Anne uh, yep. and, and people are enjoying it. And I just, I'm so, so locked in to yeah. Richard Farnsworth and Colleen Dewhurst and Megan Fault. Like oh, I am so yes. locked in. I couldn't do it. It felt it just felt weird to me. It was, it was like, it, it, all, it was almost like, this is so dumb. Cause I'm not claiming that I feel stronger about it than anybody else. Like uh, <laughs> in general as, as a book or whatever, but, um, as books, but, uh, but it was almost like watching members of your family be portrayed by someone else. Like, Oh look, yeah. they tried to cast my cousin, Anne. like, Oh look, this is their interpretation of what my aunt Marilla was like. I mean, this is weird because obviously that's not Marilla. I know what Marilla looks like. <laughs> Who, by the way, doesn't match the description from the book anyway. Colleen right? Dewhurst doesn't match that description. So how I'm holding those two ideas in my head at the same time, deciding that that's legit is, you know, remains to be seen. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So, but I, but I, you know, maybe that will change. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, think, Anne. I, I mean, this is still kind of like the, I don't know, the spiritualism in me talking, but I, I do find that certain media find us when we need it. Like I, I have found a lot of what I would still call revelation through reading the right book at the right time and watching the right show at the right time and just feeling that message really land. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's just waiting for your future. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Viv. And I'm Teresa. And we host When Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I don't know how to fix mornings for myself. <laughs> I do not know how to make mornings okay for myself. So the t-shirt, I don't do mornings, yes. isn't even a funny shirt. I no. shouldn't get it for you. It's sad. It's a sad shirt. Yeah, it's a sad shirt with tears flowing. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's let's use that as a as a segue into uh, into our mash game here, since um, okay, cool. since we can we know for sure that we can start with uh, let let's go let's go with um, well let's go with the uh, with with worlds in books three that you Ooh. can jump into and just be in and experience and live inside whenever you want. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, the first one that came to mind is a book called I Capture the Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, <laughs> this might sound bizarre because it's like in many ways very mundane, but in other ways, I don't know, I guess I've just always been a romantic at heart because they uh, are poor and impoverished and live in a castle in England as their artist father, their novelist father is trying to like find the muse again and it's this beautiful coming of age story and it's I don't know I guess I I really like worlds where the bummer stuff is just accepted as a part of it mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah I get that <laughs> so, I get that yeah so they they all like the daughters in that story they scrap together to find out how they're gonna you know get a pretty dress for one to wear and entice the boy when they have no money for food and all yeah. of, you know I just I like that yeah, like very boxcar children kind of. Thing, sure. You know? Well, that's that kind of pioneer spirit too that you want right. to you know that you feel like how do I hold on to that without all of the garbage that or with all the garbage but how do you, you know, make peace with that 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 yeah. goes along with, you know, heading into the west because I also identify with a sort of frontier attitude and uh, yeah. and I and I very neatly skirt past like I mean listen I wouldn't kill any Indians uh I'm pretty sure I would be the only pioneer who like thought that you know everyone should live in peace and harmony together um okay I, I capture the castle uh, as your first book give me two more two more let me think oh I'd say uh my father's dragon Uh, which is a kid's book that I really loved about a little boy who stows away on a ship. And I'm just realizing there's... (laughs) Boy, talk about this pioneer trend in me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs) He goes and has an adventure and rescues a dragon and befriends a cat. And it's... Yeah, it's just this whole adventure story. And he... Ah, this is funny. This just occurred to me. The dragon that he has to rescue is enslaved. And well, he's kept go. he's kept as a fairy between these two islands. And the boy rescues the dragon so that mm. he doesn't have to be enslaved anymore. Boy, okay. thanks, brain. My brain's on a real bender here. <laughs> uh, well, Find a new rut, brain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so for your third one, listen, I will admit that I, well, I guess I was expecting you to maybe say Anne of Green Gables, but... Yes, yeah, it should be Anne of Green Gables. I was sitting here racking my brain for something, because, you know, I love comedy. I like fashion. I'm yeah. like, what's a book that's just fun? Uh, Nothing is yeah, coming to those. We can, we can make up our categories to, to scratch those itches as well. Okay, for good. Sure. Um, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do, um, let's do three. I'm like, I'll give you my, my personal favorite fashion question, which is three okay. styles of clothing, male, mm. female, androgynous. It just doesn't matter from any era. Let's, mm-hmm. let's in this alternate universe, it, every single one has an equanimity of, of, of comfort. So it, even mm-hmm. if a corset Ooh, is the most uncomfortable nice thing, yeah, it's like everything feels like yoga pants. So, uh, no matter <laughs> what it looks like. So three styles that you would love to, uh, try kind of try out and, and it doesn't matter how crazy they might seem in our world in this alternate universe. It's like you can okay. there's no there's no rules. Boy, I love this. Okay. Uh my current design inspiration is like Mary Tyler Moore meets Dolly Parton. <laughs> Great. So so that's like one. 
<laughs> like sparkly retro. Maybe that's okay. How yeah, that it. makes sense. I love it. <laughs> um, I love uh, like mod clothes. Like oh, uh, anything that Joan wore on Mad Men. Yeah, um, great. That's a big yeah inspiration for me. And then I'd say like sparkly jumpsuits, great. like ABBA. Great, 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 great. Did you ever watch? Um, sometimes my it feels like I would. This is it feels I only associate seeing this with being at someone else's house, whether it's like my grandparents <laughs> or or like some, you know, some party that my parents took me to uh, where the kids were just like stuck in a corner to watch TV. Um, <laughs> but did you ever see the Mandrell sisters? Oh, my gosh, girl, you just pulled something because, so, you know, because it's like that. Uh, it's the thing d- where yes. the thing where the three sisters each have variations on the same outfit. I feel like I Ugh. I would uh, I would just really really go deep in my imagination of like which one, which outfit did I like the best or if I were a fourth Mandrell sister like what components of their chiffon green outfit of varying lengths and sleeve styles would I want you know if I had to adapt that look you have just completely blown my mind I I have not talked to anybody who remembered the Mandrell sisters but we I have two sisters who bookend me so there were three of us at that age range and we were living in Texas during the years that the Barbara Mandrell show was on so if you don't think that we were with our noses glued to the TV and fighting over who got to be Barbara and who got to be like Lurleen or whatever it was, you know? Oh my gosh, yes. Formative experience. Formative. Uh, Okay, let's do three comedy folks. It can be uh, characters or stand-ups or, um, you know, real people or characters they played um, Mm -hmm. from comedy that uh, from any era that you would want as a real-life buddy to hang out with and make you laugh. Um, Maria Bamford, Gilda Radner, Laura Keitlinger. Uh, Gilda, got it. Except I did those in reverse order. I don't want that to ruin how something breaks down. <laughs> how will the fates know yeah. which one is true? <laughs> okay, well, I think we're just going to... That's what my hand did, and so that was like unconscious, so there must be a reason for it. Uh, okay, there you go. next category, three foods that in this life are you're either allergic to or they don't ecologically feel, you know, that, you know, conscientiously mm-hmm. you don't want to eat them or you know they, they they they're too high in calories or whatever the reason uh in this alternate universe not only can you have them in perpetuity with zero ne- negative ramifications but you can also have them at the snap of a finger so if it's something that's hard to get Ooh. uh or you know rare in some way that also is not an issue three Hmm. What first came to mind is the food that I don't eat anymore because it's bad for me, but that I grew up on as like white trash poverty food. Mm. So it would be um, AM PM hamburgers, Great. cup of noodles, and cans of Vienna sausage. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> AM PM hamburgers. Uh, cup, cup, cup of noodles. Of, cup of noodles and canned Vienna sausages. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, wonderful. All savory. All savory. Um, yes. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> well, I just eat the candy. I've never given that up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's a good rule to live by. Um, okay, so next category, let's do three places in the world that you would like to have a vacation home if getting there were Ooh. no problem. Uh, New York City. Great. London. Great. And... I feel like pressure to add a beach, but do not not feel pressure. Beach person, I'm not either. (laughs) I just I like it gloomy and concrete. What can I say? Love it. Um, I'm on board. uh, Well, I'll say Seattle. I haven't been back home for many many years, so I'll I'll say Seattle. Perfect. Perfect, Speaking of gloomy and concrete, yeah, you know, listen, there's some there's some trees. There's plenty of beautiful trees Uh, and some water and some water. Um, So good on you. Okay, listen. All due respect to your marvelous husband. Yeah, three real life characters, book characters, movie characters. Doesn't matter to me any age, any era uh, that you're gonna have uh, romantic, sexy times with in this alternate universe. Okay, Sidney Carton, he was my first true love from Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. I was very much a nerd. Um, still am, proudly nerd. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Ruby Rose, 
Right. Um, and the person I'm very obsessed with right now, who I find unbelievably sexy for reasons that I don't quite understand because this. So uh, I came out as queer when I was 35 because of the whole like sexual lobotomized thing. Mm. Um, but but I'm I'm bi, so I'm still very comfortable within my my marriage. But uh, it's been yeah, it's been a whole thing to unravel in my head. So uh, so it's still kind of a mystery to me at all. Why, why am I attracted to this person? It's because it's very much evolving. That's a thing that's occurring in my brain as we speak. Oh, I'm so excited but, um, to hear about who this is with all that. <laughs> uh, her name is uh, LP, the musician LP. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Laura Pagazzoli, something like that. Anyway, just the letters LP. Okay. And uh, yeah, she's just, um, I don't know. I got to look know. her I up. I feel her, ashamed that I saw know her on is. YouTube. When, her gender presentation is such that you don't know at first glance what's happening. And so uh, that just kind of pulled me right in. And I've been, and she is the most incredible vocalist. Like, unreal so yeah i've been obsessed with her ever since and i'm still the whole time i'm kind of like observing myself going like real wh- th- why and i'm going i don't know i it just works i'm trying not to ask why i just go with the feeling good for, for you good for you i gotta look her up post haste that's my that's my number one goal uh listen i don't have to set a goal i can make that happen that's not a thing that i have to like raise money for or train for in any way uh i will make it happen uh wonderful i'm gonna look her up when i finish this okay Next category, uh, let's do three uh, things that you wish it were easy to make in a day. Like three crafts that, um, you know, become a huge undertaking uh, if you're really going to try to do them. But we're we're sort of creating this magical universe in which you can you can have it done in a day. Mm. That's a special never before done category that I just thought of because of you and your loves. Oh wow. It's it's kind of an existential question for me because uh you know in my self-care life we do a lot of creative self-care projects and we preach it's about the process it's about the process like if you make something and you hate it just throw it away who the fuck cares yeah. the point is that you made something and so uh now i have to kind of reverse my thinking i know it really this is like you know? impatient little kid game i mean it's basically sort of it. like unraveling it's the all the it's the journey stuff i'm just i just yeah. i strip away <laughs> for this childish game well we get to we get to in our fantasies right yeah. um i'm gonna say cross stitch is one of them because i love cross stitch and part of what i love cross stitch is because it's a great place to find flow yeah you're looking for that magical yes. flow state yeah that like the re- the repetitive movements oh, of something like cross stitch will get you so there much um but also if you just want something pretty to hang on your wall it takes for fucking ever yeah. so that <laughs> I, I would speed that up occasionally. Yes, fair. Um, let's see. Building. Um, like just uh, whether it's like furniture or houses, just building mm-hmm. uh, yep. takes forever. Yes, indeed. Um, and uh, I'm going to throw cooking in there because uh, I consider that an art form and it does take too long. Yeah. <laughs> I hate, I do not like chopping, but you, know, <laughs> you need your sous, you need your sous chef. I do. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Yeah, I just painted the kitchen and uh, or the, the all the cabinets of the kitchen, and it definitely was an oh. exercise in, like, what a just of the several days that it took me to complete just the journey from the moment to moment of like just really getting into a flow and because I do love uh labor like that and it's probably a a a luxurious thing to say um right because I don't have to do it every day for a living uh but uh but sort of going from that to you know the next feeling which is just this sort of desperation of like I cannot believe how long this is taking why did I start this project I every face like I have to paint the inside too oh you know and then to to like just being excited because it's just like it's such a wonderful way to sort of freshen up you know your nest and your your yeah. your life and your and your view and all that kind of stuff like all these sort of like intense emotions that just are surrounding doing some painting um so yeah. i really get it okay final category let's do three and this is another one where it's like you know i think you and i both kind of embrace the mystery so you know yeah i'm i'm, I'm forcing you to think carefully yet quickly about three things okay. that you'd be will you'd be willing to have the mystery solved but three mm-hmm. mysteries big or small 
that uh, one of which you will end up having the the answer to um, in our alternate mm. universe. I would like to know definitively if there is a God that is capable of having a personal relationship. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Like not a God that's like, you know, we're, we're all God when we're one, not, right. you know, right. like the, the cre- no, no, I want to know if there is a heavenly father or heavenly mother, Got but, it. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I'd say that. And two more of those, right? Yeah. Let's see. Um, but it can also be like, whatever did happen to that bracelet my sister gave me that <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I would like um, to know all of the mysteries behind MK Ultra. Oh, great. and okay. exactly the people who were hurt. Yeah. And, uh, yeah thank and you exactly on behalf the... of everyone who's who's curious about that, including yes. me. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for putting that on your list. Yes, I'm. Yes, I'm very very curious about that because that. I mean, anyway. So <laughs> I, I could just go down so many rabbit holes. I have to close the doors <laughs> to the rabbit holes as I'm talking. <sighs> okay, one more. Let's see. MK Ultra. Is there a god? <laughs> Uh, um i would like to know let's see um i would like to know i guess this feels separate to me than the god question but i would like to know if the if the spirits that we feel are actually what we're feeling Mm, or if that's just brain chemistry you know i'd like to know if there is some actual form of communication happening there or if it's just you know what we what we what we're manifesting because our subconscious is very complicated yeah yeah agreed see that's that last one for some reason even more so than the is there a god one i'm like afraid to know the answer in a sense right you know right because i don't know if I, i i it's like am i ready to ask that question if there is a definitive answer am i ready to know the answer if I, it's not what i want you know yeah um so it's yeah. very brave of you it's very brave of you uh <laughs> well you know i'm that adventuring explorer apparently yeah i appreciate it i appreciate <laughs> it okay so while so first of all uh let's do i'm just gonna do my little squiggle so just tell me when to stop okay. Stop. Okay. And then while I uh, do this, I would love, because you have so many different things um, to mm-hmm. offer the world, I would love for you to take this <laughs> opportunity to, to tell people where they can find you, uh, tell them about uh, Haven Tree, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I will come back with your 100% guaranteed fictitious <laughs> mash future. I love this. Okay. Well, uh, personally, uh, you can follow me on all the social media places at Reese Dixon. Um I've got a blog at Reese Dixon and a YouTube channel at Reese Dixon. And the the YouTube channel, the blog's kind of on hiatus, but the YouTube channel's coming back because um, we're about to start doing some music stuff on there. So that's very exciting. Nice. Um, and then uh, Haven Tree, all of our social media stuff is Haven Tree Box. Um, and follow us there because I will be your naggy internet friend that tells you when it's okay for you to take a nap. Um, and the answer is always. Great. Um, and so we, we started this, it's a self-care box and company. So it's an online store as well. Um, and we started it because my business partner and I were both, we both have disabilities. We are both raising kids with special needs and the concept of self-care is actually very radical and powerful. If you don't let like Dove Beauty and Nike Sport take it away from us, mm-hmm. you know, so we are a B Corp. We are a science and effectiveness based. And we talk about stuff like drinking water and how to how to take your meds and uh, gear that will help you with actual stuff. We talk about flow. We talk about gratitude, like the stuff that is actually studied and effective. You know, one of our our catchphrases is self-care that goes deeper than bath bombs. Oh, nice. You know, ba- bath bombs are fine, but they're not going to save your life. Right, okay. Right, and right. the self-care is about building a life that you don't have to escape from. So it it's far more foundational than that. And that that's what we're about. So fantastic. Yeah, come check us out. <laughs> I have some results that I would be very thrilled to share with you. Oh, boy. I can't wait. I feel very good about the outcome of all of this. Not uh, the least of which, in terms of things I'm excited about, is this idea of you, like, like cooking rapid fire. So you have this magical ability yes. to cook wonderfully and quickly in your uh, ABBA-inspired sparkly jumpsuit. Yes! <laughs> That's a very, very satisfying image uh, to me. Oh, 
Um, I don't I know if you're it. doing this at your house in Seattle, uh, but that is certainly where you ended up with a vacation home. Um, uh, now, listen, before your me- your prepared meal has been completed, clearly you're dancing around wearing this jumpsuit and doing all this cooking. You're going to need some snacks. I want you to rest assured nothing bad can come of you eating unlimited amounts of canned Vienna sausages. <laughs> Pop another one in. You're good to go. Oh, that like gelatinous stuff. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can't believe you picked something that then grossed yourself out. Amazing. That's poor white trash food. Good work. Good work, everybody. Uh, You. Uh, have the ability as well as you know having your your wonderful vacation home in Seattle you also have the ability to jump into and interact with the characters in I Capture the Castle oh fun and you can share uh, your adventures when you come home with either your dear dear friend Ms. Gilda Radner or (laughs) your sexy times partner LP uh oh someone got LP You'll have all the time in the world to investigate your attraction. Uh, so well done you on that. Uh, which oh, just hooray. yeah, which just leaves us with the the fact that listen, you're gonna get your answer. What are these spirits that we feel? What is this communication that we feel like we're having? What is the influence when we feel that someone is near or that we feel we're we, you know we're we're connecting on some level with something unseen um, or someone unseen? What is what's that all about? What's the answer? You're gonna get this that answer. Oh man, that's such a. Uh, I think Ooh. that's probably the one I'd really pick. Yeah, good. I mean, it's. Yeah, I guess I'm just a person that like I I, I don't like a comforting fiction. I just want to know. I appreciate like, that. Give it to me straight, yeah. and then I can deal. Yeah, you know. Well, that's yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, the idea of yeah. whatever was going on in your mind that kind of provided you that comfort, whether it was from the outside or the inside. That they're both kind of miraculous, yeah. you know, in their way. Exactly. Um, wonderful. Either it's the divinity without, or it's the divinity Absolutely. within. I don't really care. Well, thank God we almost talked for another hour. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, thank you so much. Oh, it's man. been such a long time coming. It doesn't surprise me at all that we that we have had so much and, and so much more that we could and hopefully will talk about uh, in, in some other way. Um, thank you so much for doing the podcast. And uh, everybody else, I hope you enjoyed this two-parter, this unprecedented <laughs> two-parter. Honored. And uh, I am deeply honored. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.